And welcome to Gleeman the Geek, the What a Great Last Weekend of Baseball edition. This is exactly what Major League Baseball was hoping for with all the wild card races and such. Yeah, except for the Twins there, isn't it? Yeah, but well, it's actually a great weekend to be in Colorado or Denver. I mean, that's a great place to, as a fan, that would be a great play, great road trip to go visit. Yes. I like I like Coors well, Field very much. I like Denver very much. The, the Twins don't like it. No, I bet they don't. They're annoyed. <laughs> Not annoyed. I mean, it's, it is what it is, obviously, right. but it's uh, A, to do a three-game road trip for your last series right. is annoying. Right. B, I know it's not going to like California, but going out to the West Coast and then coming right back sure. to play a playoff game is annoying. And then beyond that, I mean, Coors just as an environment because it's uh, you know a mile high or whatever and there's altitude, it affects the pitching you see. Yep. And so the hitters are going to have three games. They're going to have 100 at-bats versus you know flatter breaking balls and yes. worse fastballs, and then they're going to come back for the most important games of the season. Yep. There's also just like a from a rest standpoint, it's <laughs> yeah. uh, mile high is uh, you know altitude is worse sure. on you and all that. Now it's only three games, and they're going to rest some guys and and all that. But it's uh, it's less than ideal. It's one of those things that in in March. You look at the schedule yeah. and you go, I mean, what we did great, this. That's a great way to great way to finish this season. Right. Right. Like it's a fun road trip for fans, but also the Rockies were sure to be terrible. Yes. And so yes. we looked at, you know, finishing with the Angels, the Athletics, and the Rockies. You couldn't draw up an easier right. – and it did turn yes, out that right, way, yeah. even easier than we suspected. But as an environment, it's, it's not a great spot to have a tune-up, particularly with some injured players – uh, and a lot of question marks in terms of role because they are going to try to get some guys into games here. But you know that's it's all right. It's, I mean, it, it's not ideal. <laughs> it's but cheap flights to cheap flights to Denver because of Southwest Airlines, so it's easy to get there and uh, easy to get from the airport in there. You can just take the tram into downtown and you just stick around downtown for three days. And well, yeah, you're looking at it from the standpoint of a drunk <laughs> fan. I'm talking about the ba- actual baseball team that has to come back. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're Whatever, like, they'll be fine. I almost just said, John, you know they don't take Southwest, <laughs> but I realized you were talking about. Uh, so since we last spoke. This is going to be weird because, okay, since we last spoke on the free show, <laughs> right. which is once a week on Fridays. They clinched. They clinched. <laughs> I was in the celebration. We talked all about this stuff, by the way, on yes. the Patreon podcast. Yes. So we're not going to get super into you know the clinching. I could maybe mention a few things. But, uh, but by the way, if you sign up for the Patreon, you get those past episodes yes. for free. The archive is, is totally free. That's yeah. right. So they won their third division title in five seasons under Rocco Baldelli, fourth time going to the playoffs in seven seasons under Derek Falvey as a front office regime. Uh, But then now, so that's what a lot happened since last time. Rocco Baldelli has two more children since last (laughs) time we spoke. Uh, Let's see what else. That's about it. Uh, That's enough. That's plenty. Kent is in the bullpen. Kent is in the bullpen. We got some injury updates on everybody, obviously. So I'll get into that in a second. But then also this next uh, between now and our next free show, which is next Friday, right. we will go from, as of right now, we don't know who the Twins are going to play in the first round. Right. And then by the time we next speak on this free show, one week from today, the first round will be over. 
Yes. It's a very strange uh, yes. place to record a podcast where you can't really preview the we matchup. We, yeah, we don't even know what time the matchup. We don't be. even know what time. The, it'll be Tuesday. That's it. That's all we know. Uh, it'll be one of three teams, but we don't really. I mean, it's looking likely to be Houston, but not necessarily Houston. Could be Seattle or Toronto also. Yeah. Uh, Texas has basically played their way out of the wild card mix. Well, last night, they failed to knock out. Did you see that ending in the yes. texas Seattle game? Oh, I my did, God. But it doesn't matter. I mean. For the Twins' purposes, they wouldn't be playing Texas anyway. Even if Texas fell back into the wild, they game. would fall back into the second to right. second wild card. They wouldn't spot. be in the yep. third. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it's very strange to be like, well, we don't yet know who they're playing, and when we reconvene here next Friday, the whole series will be over. Right. So <laughs> we're going to attempt to preview as much as we can, but this will be more of a kind of a standard show with some news and notes. And obviously there's a ton of key injury updates. And then like you mentioned, some role change updates that are yes. equally key, potentially some guys who have already come back from the IL, Brock Stewart, Chris Paddock. We can talk about that. They've both yes. come off the aisle and yep. pitched since we last spoke. Uh, but this I will uh, incur if ever there was a time. <laughs> to join our little uh, private club yeah, podcast, right, yes. which we call the Patreon podcast, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. We will definitely be doing a Monday show, Monday <laughs> yes, morning. Yeah. Where we will preview. Where we will <laughs> actually preview because Sunday night we're going to find out for right. certain yes. who they're going to play, what time it is and all that. So we'll have the show Monday that will kind of yeah. serve as our real preview. <laughs> the National League, by the way, might not know at that time, Sunday night, whether or not they're – who's playing and when they're playing because uh, the Marlins have to may have to make up a game oh, on Monday yeah, now that. versus the Mets. Yeah. Oh. So annoying. <laughs> Although it might not matter. I it might it, not. But, but uh, And then the game is Tuesday. So we – depending on the time – we could do a show Tuesday morning. We will certainly do a show either late Tuesday or very early Wednesday Correct. talking about game, game one. one yes. And then we will repeat that <laughs> yes. essentially for however many playoff games the Twins play. <laughs> we are going to have uh, recaps. And then on off days, we'd have you know previews sort of yeah. or news and notes. Uh, we're, we'll be ramping up the Patreon. And so if you know waiting between now and next Friday for a show <laughs> and basically having the entire playoffs potentially played out <laughs> right. hopefully not but played out uh, in the in the downtime there is not appealing to you come on over to the Patreon <laughs> we'll have at least two or three shows this week minimally yes. maybe a lot significantly more we'll see how things play out right. so and uh, you're you're only charged for new episodes so if you sign up if on a whatever day we put out an episode it costs you a buck right that's it one dollar and if there's a day we don't put out an episode doesn't cost you anything and you get the entire archive which is hundreds of episodes now for and absolutely ad free, free. yes commercial free yep. and uh yeah we're uh we're almost at four thousand so if you're saying to yourself boy that sounds really nerdy i don't want to <laughs> sign up who else is in yes. that well about four thousand yeah people. four thousand other nerdy so we would love to have you join us for the uh the last weekend here and then the and the playoffs again patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com Slash Gleeman, come on over, join our little private club. Uh, yeah, commercial free once in a while. There's a curse word, a little more in-depth talk on specific <laughs> yeah, games, right. which is, works out great for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that's where we're at. Okay, so, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's looking likely, like I said, to, to be the Astros. It could very easily be Toronto or Seattle, who staged yes. a uh, – I watched the late inning comeback against Texas, walked it off with two outs in the night. They loaded the bases against Araldis Chapman with no outs. Right. Chapman gets pulled. Then Seattle has two terrible, unproductive at-bats to get two up, outs. Pop-up outs. Right. Yeah, right. And then uh, J.P. Crawford, who's one of their best players, their shortstop leadoff guy, uh, 
I think two strikes on him too. Uh, lined a walk off uh, double, double over the left thing, fielder's yeah. head, skipped up against the wall. So yeah. that was fun. So they're Just now missed it by the way. Like well, left yes. fielder was off by a foot or two. Yep. Um, so that's where that is. I mean, I think like Dan and I did a little back and Dan Hayes and I did a little back and forth for this morning on the athletic, uh, just about, well, who should they want to play or who should fans want the twins to end up playing? And we both kind of came to the same conclusion, which I suspect is the conclusion you would come to, which is my answer was not the Astros. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. And Anybody but Houston. Basically. I mean, first of all, they're defending champs. It doesn't take a genius to be like, let's avoid the team that just won the World Series. Right. Uh Second of all, they've been the bully in the American League for, for ten years, basically. and, and uh, basically uh, made the ALCS every year for like yes. the last. I mean, seven they've years. been dominant for, right. for <laughs> almost a decade now. Right. Also, I've seen a best of three series at Target Field against what people thought was a vo- more vulnerable than usual Astros team right. before. Yes, yeah. and it didn't go well for the Twins. And that team was sub five hundred in the short twenty twenty right. season. That's right, and it still didn't matter. The Twins got swept in two games. So. Also, just big picture, some of the things we've been talking about over the last month or so is well, like like stylistically, not even so much just individual matchups and all that, but what should the Twins want to play and what should they be trying to avoid? And if you look at the Twins lineup, their strength is left-handed and switch, but left-handed hitters. So they should want to face a team that is mostly right-handed starting pitchers. Well, the Astros have... Their number, their Valdez number one pitcher is, is a left-handed is one of the best left-handed pitchers in in all of baseball. Whereas if you look at Toronto and Seattle, Seattle especially, it's just all righties. Now yes. they're really good righties. Yes, uh, Kirby and Gilbert and Castillo for for Seattle, and Gaussman and old friend uh, Jose Barrios yep. and Chris Bassett for for Toronto. But mostly righties in the rotation for those teams, and mostly righties in the bullpen for those teams. So theoretically, for a Twins lineup that has you know kind of feasted on right-handed pitching, especially in the second half, because you've got Polanco and Kepler and Walner and Julian, and you know they just have much better right. left-handed hitters because some of their right-handed hitters have been either unproductive or hurt. So that's stylistically a better matchup. But then the other thing you flip that around is, well, what is the Twins' pitching strength? Well, the only lefty, I think. Who's going to see anything resembling a key spot in a playoff game is Caleb Thielbar. Right. That's right. So their rotation is enti- <laughs> is going to entirely be right-handed. Right. And so just from a basic platoon standpoint, you'd want to face lineups that have as many righties or a high proportion of righties as possible. Right. Well, again, you look at Houston, they have two of the best left-handed hitters in the world right. in Alvarez and Tucker. Right. Tucker's a, uh, is he a switch hitter or lefty? But – and. So it's the same thing. And you look at Toronto and Seattle, they have a couple of lefties, but most, for the most part, the big boys in those lineups are right-handed. In the same way that the Twins have been talking all year about how they can't hit lefties and how they needed to acquire you know, right. more right-handed power hitters, uh, Seattle's been talking all year about the opposite. They've yeah. been talking about how they can't hit righties. They have trouble yeah. with hitting righties. So, and they need a left-handed corner outfielder or something like that. That's why one of the one of the talking points back like just before the trade deadline was maybe Kepler goes over to Seattle for another for a right-handed yeah. version of Kepler. It's good they didn't like that. do that. No, it's a good thing they didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, so that's and then beyond that with the you know, so just stylistically the Astros are the the poorest fit for what Yes, you know the ten, the twin strengths and weaknesses, but then you go well. Okay, also the Astros has some pretty good righties too. Yeah, Justin right. Verlander, yes. uh, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, right. and on and on and on. And so you toss in the World Series aspect and everything. And you, I mean, look, the Astros are in this mix because they haven't played particularly well. Right. 
I mean, they're they're in the mix for a third wild card because they they've right. played to that level. But they could miss out on the third right. wild card, right? But none of that really matters. You know, the bell rings for the playoffs, and it's right. like, well, what comes out of that corner ready to fight you? Well, right. nobody cares what the win total is. You're still looking at all those names that we right. just mentioned, and so I think it's to me the gap between like the gap in quality of opponent specific to the Twins between like Houston and either Seattle or Toronto is much bigger than the gap between like Toronto and Seattle for sure in my opinion oh no I agree with you uh so yeah I I guess I would order it I would prefer to play Seattle I think they're the weakest team just overall but I think specific to the twin strengths and weaknesses they're the weakest team uh Toronto then you know, uh, to me is slightly better in part because I trust their bullpen a little more. And also they have a couple of lefty starters that they could potentially work into the mix against the twins. Um, and I just think Kikuchi they have, and, yeah. And, uh, Ryu. Yeah. And I also just think they have a better line, like more quality hitters just overall. Yeah. So, and then Houston and I'm not going to include Texas cause that's such a long shot. And so, yeah, I would order it, you know, who do the twins want to play? Seattle, small gap, yeah. Toronto, large gap. Houston, right. basically. Yep. Uh, and of course, as we said here, the most likely opponent is, is, is Houston. <laughs> right, yeah, but I will it. say this: uh, you know, even if you want to avoid Houston, and there's a, it's looking more likely now after last night. We'll see how it plays out. Verlander is scheduled to start Saturday. Yeah. And all you really need at the most basic level is for those games to matter to the Astros, for them to have to win those games. Right now, the Astros are one game in front of Seattle. They're one game behind Toronto. And Astros have three game series at Arizona versus the Diamondbacks, Which, who is right. also in a wa- yes. battling for the last wild card spot in the National League. Decent so, team that needs to win. Yes, so you're, Arizona is a good team that also needs to win. These are going to be so, critical games to both sides. And, and so the reason that's important is if Verlander, if those games don't matter for Houston, they'll just skip Verlander and he'll be lined up to either start game one or game two right. against potentially the Twins in the playoffs. Correct. However, if Verlander is needed to start Saturday, which looks pretty likely, right. Um, then he's not going to be available unless they really go on short rest with a 40-year-old, which that, I doubt they, it. They'd either go on short rest where he pitches Wednesday, the second game, right. or he'd go, go hit normal rest and go Thursday, the third yes. game. And that's even that's questionable because uh, Valdez, right? right. if he uh, is going to pitch at all this regular season, it's going to be on short rest on Sunday. Right, which would be very short. It would only be two days rest. So but, I think no, that three days. He pitched, he pitched, pitched one, game 159. He pitched. Oh, but game they had an off day. You're right. Yeah, they they had an or, off day. Oh, yeah. 150, okay, right. So it'd be three days rest. You're right. right. That's right. Um, so, <clears> yeah, right. it's possible you see. He's not going to start Sunday, but it's possible you see him coming in right. relief Sunday, and then which he, would then rule him out seemingly for game one. You, yeah, well, I mean, absolutely for game one. And it might rule him out for, like, he'd have to pitch on short rest on game three. Well, yeah, but if he just throws an inning or two as well, I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Right, yeah. But and so that's what even if it ends up being the Astros, which is likely, I forget what the percent, but it's over a fifty percent chance that the Twins are going to face the Astros. Might be a lot over fifty percent. You want them to have to exhaust their two ace level pitchers because the rest. Part of the reason that they're in the position they are and trying to fight for a wild card spot is that the rest of their rotation, which has been a strength for so many years, has kind of fallen apart because of injuries and poor performances. And so the gap between Valdez and Verlander, who are well, first of all, multi-time Cy Young winning Hall of Famer, right. who's still at 40, is not at the level he was, but he's still pretty damn good. And then Valdez, who's like a perennial top five Cy Young and a lefty. Right. Uh, the gap between those two lining up for game one and game two in, in some order, 
versus here's the thing. If Valdez pitches and can't pitch till game three, well, they can't both start game that's three. Right, that's what I'm saying. So there's the potential. There's a you, very you wide Verlander, range. Verlander on short rest on two, game two right. and Valdez. On or you're looking at just facing one or the other instead of right. both in a three-game right. series, which that's a huge difference in terms of the like the overall quality of what we're looking at with Houston. Yeah. Houston with those guys lined up to start the first two games is incredibly scary. Right. Houston with you know whoever in the first two games and then one but not both of those in game three different, is different. just a different story. Now I still might try to avoid them because their lineup is scary. <laughs> yes, I agree, but it's a little bit different story. So that's kind of what you're rooting for down the stretch. For the Twins, I mean they're going to try to win these games in Colorado, but you know. Uh, Correa is not not going to play. Lewis is not going to play. They're not even going to Colorado. Those two. Okay. Buxton isn't going to Colorado. Obviously, um, Sonny Gray is going to Colorado. I'm not 100 percent sure about Pablo Lopez, but they were basically given the option they could okay. stay or go. Because uh, so that's the the drama. If you want to do some scoreboard watching, it has it's it's unfortunate. Like because Cleveland was so terrible, which they might finish in third now. Right. By the way, yeah. Uh, because Cleveland has been so terrible, it robbed the Twins of any sort of drama within the division right. there wasn't even really scoreboard watching right. for the last three or three weeks of the season but now for the final weekend there's scoreboard watching just in the sense of right. who are you gonna play who are you, who are you gonna play I mean, there's also still a not insignificant chance that the astros just don't make the postseason well, they right. are just one game up on seattle seattle's playing texas uh so that's no easy series right. but houston like you said is playing the diamondbacks and if they tie seattle seattle has the tiebreaker right. yes so you know, if they, if you know, basically Houston goes one and two versus the Diamondbacks, and right. Seattle goes two and one versus uh, versus Texas, right. Houston would be out of the playoffs. I mean, provided that. I mean, meanwhile, the Blue Jays, who are also in this mix a little bit, are playing Tampa, which right. doesn't have. Much, Although Tampa has nothing to play for. Is, is the East decided? Yes, I couldn't. They I clinched uh, yesterday, or yesterday, the day before. Yeah, Baltimore okay. did. Right. So yeah, that's what the the wild card situation is. And I actually, I actually asked. This was like the question I was asking everyone post game yesterday, or even pregame. Baldelli, Sonny Gray. I asked uh, some other people. Is it? Does it limit what you can do in terms of preparation and scouting and planning when you literally might not know until Sunday night? And Baldelli basically said. You know, look, yes, we'd rather have the most time possible to to prep this stuff, to right. go over matchups and tendencies and all that. But he said, I mean, our scouting department is scouting all possible matchups. Right. And so yes. the reports that they're going to file from the scouting perspective, two, you know, uh, two-thirds of the scouts are going to file reports that go in the paper right. shredder. Right. So that stinks for them. But from Baldelli and the players' perspective, they're just going to get handed a full scouting report on Sunday night <laughs> right. of their opponent. And right. so you you got a little time. And, you know, it's not like football where there's, you know, you got to study their plays and you got to do all this stuff. I mean, there is some – you'd like to have an extra day or two to go over this stuff. And Sonny Gray pointed out that for him, he's starting game two. He's right. got plenty of time. Yes, I mean, he'll know on Sunday night and he's got – Two days, basically, to, to figure it out. Uh, and even Lopez will have a, a day. But So, yeah, that's where the Twins are at. I think... You should, know, should it, mention the NL wild card is even crazier, by the way, than the AL wild card, too. That's going to be... Yeah, I don't care about that. Uh, it's going to be fun Doesn't, to watch. I don't care. The Cubs are screwing themselves up. But <laughs> they are absolutely screwing themselves um, It could, I guess, affect the... The TV, the TV times. Yeah, let, if let the me, Cubs are out of it. Listen, I got twelve don't questions. Try, don't about do this, this because it's going to happen. You're going to this is another third show. You've laid this out. It's meaningless. 
because it's going to yeah, if the big markets are in, the Twins are not going to be the night game. They're, well, no. except there's two night games. There's a six o'clock game and a nine o'clock. So silly! Game. It doesn't matter. Like you lay these out, and it's like it doesn't. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> the big teams play over the Twins. How many big teams are in determines when the Twins will well, play. The question is like who's going to be the nine o'clock game, right? Because it's going to have to be the Diamondbacks, right? We don't even know that there is a nine o'clock game. John. There, there is. There's a three, six, nine, and one o'clock game. That's the time. That's the time that they that okay. ESPN has games scheduled right. for. But yes. But there's going to be a West Coast team that's going to play the 9 o'clock game, no matter who it is. Yeah, but there's only one West Coast team right now. Well, there's only one 9 o'clock game. Right. So that means that the National League is going to be the 9 o'clock game. So I, I think – I mean, <laughs> oh, Right. That's what I just said. Right. That's why I said there's no 9 o'clock game in the Twins realm. Highly uh, unlikely. Well, I mean, unless Seattle. Unless it's Seattle that they end up facing. Yeah, except I bet it would be Arizona anyway. It might be. Okay. I mean, Arizona isn't in either, but yes. Well, here's the thing. You're going to learn Sunday night. I'm just saying we're sitting here on Friday. By the time people listen to this, the scenarios are going to completely change anyway. There's, there's going to be a playoff game Tuesday. I know people are like, they're coming in town to see the game. Like, yeah, well, plan on being here. Yeah, it's either going to be Monday night. It's most likely going to be 1 o'clock or 3 o'clock is right. the answer. Right. It's been the case for two months. That's all I'm saying. There's no need to go over the scenarios. Uh, okay. Also, as of right now, the Twins are uh, – let me do the math. 40 and 28 since the All-Star break. Yeah. Which is the second best record in the American League. The only team with the better record is Baltimore, which has 100 wins and just clinched the number one seed. Uh, that's a 96-win pace, 95-win pace. I don't want to do the math. Do <laughs> I'll let you do the math. Uh, and also, they hit the over. Yeah. Uh, 83 and a half. They know, hit the over. 85 right now. Yeah. They could win as many as 88. 88. Uh, 86, 87, probably. Like also, there's a decent chance now, which didn't look likely a couple of weeks ago, that no matter who the third wild card is, the Twins have as good or better record than the third wild card, which yeah. at least removes right. the uh, narrative of <laughs> they got to abolish divisions because the Twins had one fewer win than the team that got left out or whatever, or something like that. But uh, yeah, so that's where the Twins are at. We wish we could go a little more in-depth on this show and talk about Houston and talk about... I mean, we could do it, but I just would feel silly if 48 hours right. from now it it's ends up like... Being the Blue Jays. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean... And doing three teams just is yes. equally silly. But, like I said, join the Patreon. <laughs> we'll we'll <laughs> have a full breakdown Monday. We'll go through you know all the matchups. We'll know what the pitching situation is. We'll know better what the roster situation is. Although, I will say with the Twins, they have a workout day Monday afternoon. The roster itself doesn't have to be submitted until like 9 a.m. Tuesday morning, right, basically, yes, or right. 10 a.m., whatever it is, a couple hours before the f first game. And so the odds of knowing with certainty Monday morning about like Lewis, Correa, Buxton, some other decisions right. is very low. I mean, we could maybe have a sense. I think even the odds of knowing like Monday night are not going to be certain yes. because they're going to – I can already picture the quote from Paul Deli. <laughs> well, we'll see how everyone comes in in the morning. Yes, exactly right. And, yeah, there's some truth to that. When you're really – especially with Royce Lewis, it sounds silly, but, like, every hour at this stage, is, it matters. Maybe not every hour, but every 12 hours, let's say, matters. Like, you know, for anybody who has an, an injury, a strained hamstring, a right. twisted ankle, whatever, it's like there's going to be a day – in the recovery process where you're going to wake up and you're just going to feel better. And they're at the point where, where they're hoping the next day is sort of that day. Right. And so the further you can kick the can down the road. Now we talked to Roy's son. I don't know. I've lost all sense of days, but a couple Tuesday. days ago, 
Yeah. And he was optimistic, but as we've talked about with Royce before, he's always optimistic. Right. Now, they were more opt- – I will say the Twins kind of off the record and behind the scenes folks seemed more optimistic – seemed a closer match to his optimism than they did like five days earlier <laughs> okay, right. for whatever that's worth. Sure. But I do think if he's on the roster, it'll be as a DH. Okay. I think his chances of playing in the field, being able to swing are up in the air. His chances of being able to play the field and, you know, run full speed are nil. Like it's just, he just, there's not enough time. This is an injury that, you know, we're looking at it and saying, can he be ready by Tuesday? The only reason that that's even a, you know, the the talking point is, well, Tuesday is when it's happening. And so normally that wouldn't even be in the timeline. It would be, can he be ready 10 days from now? And so you're, you're forced to, you know, shrink down this entire window here where it matters, except that's not how injuries work. It's not like you can say to the injury, Hey, Mr. Hamstring, I've tried this with (laughs) my knee. Hey, Mr. Knee. Hey, Mr. Hamstring, uh, get plan on being ready for Tuesday. They actually be like, yeah, which Tuesday? Two Tuesdays from now, I'll be ready. So that's where it's at. Now, fortunately for them, and they, we started to see this with the defensive alignment the last few days or last handful of games, you know, Julian's defense has improved at second base from when they first kind of did that experiment with Polanco at third base. So my guess is if Lewis is on the roster, he's your starting DH. Julian will be playing second base. Polanco will be playing third base. Um, offensively, it's the same. Assuming Lewis can swing. Right. I mean, those three guys are going to be in the lineup for game one against a right-handed pitcher, at least, uh, no matter what. Defensively, it's certainly a downgrade. Right. And the scary part to me, I don't know that it's a downgrade. Like, if you hit them each 10,000 ground balls, I don't know that the downgrade is, like, massive. It's downgrade. Yeah. But in the playoffs, it's like well, those I mean, guys are just much more prone. Julian at second and Polanco at third where he's barely played. Right. Uh, there's just a much higher likelihood that that alignment something goes wrong. Something just a brain fart Similar or a to bad 2020 throw. Polanco at the, the shortstop. Right. And so, yeah, over the course of 162 games, the difference between Lewis at third and Polanco at second versus yes. Julian at second might be five runs, ten runs, which you can you know over six months. But it one bad play could be the whole thing, and the likelihood of that I think is just higher. Uh, before we get on to, uh, let's cover some more injury news. But before we do that, let's uh, quickly uh, check uh, in with a couple of sponsors. Uh, first, Soda Stick, uh, walking around Target Field the last three days. I can't tell you how many Soda Stick t-shirts I st- still saw. And, you know, it's going to be nice and warm, it sounds like. Yeah. For the first, first the weather series at. here. Yeah. Uh, perfect I'm for shocked. some Soda Stick t-shirts. You maybe be able to grab one here before the this begins. Otherwise, they've got these great fleeces on sale for the second round or for going to Gophers games or for going to Vikings games or uh, tailgating before Vikings game. We've got these vintage fleece crew neck and hood and sweatshirts with some of their best-selling designs like, you know, blown out of the dome and, you know, a bunch of their other little clever designs that they've got. And if you use the promo code Gleeman, go to Soda Stick, Soda like Minnesota, SodaStickCo.com or just Google Soda Stick and it'll send you there. Uh, you put in the promo code Gleeman when you check out, and they will give you 15% off whatever you You can also is. meet Soda Stick and see the stuff in person at the Twins Daily Watch Party that we're having, uh, pregame and watch party. Before each of the postseason games, we're going to be doing something at the poorhouse, starting about two and a half games before game time, whatever time those game times are going to be. Two and a half hours, we're going to be doing it, and they're going to have a stand there. So you can go and check out the Soda Stick stuff in person, grab something for the game later that day. Uh, another sponsor is BetterHelp. Uh, we're both believe in better help because I think we both believe that uh, that therapy can be daunting 
The idea even to pursue therapy can be daunting. And once you have cleared that obstacle, the last thing you need to do is see a whole series of other obstacles uh, between you yes, and getting I the was, therapy that you're I looking call for. call it barriers for entry. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need right. any of those. That's you don't right. need any speed bumps. And the way BetterHelp works is they can set you up with a real licensed therapist, typically within 48, 72 hours, which can often be a big difference for people. And they can tailor it to whatever you're comfortable with or whatever you prefer. If you want to do a video call, you can do a video call. If you don't want to be on camera, you can do a phone call. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can do a live chat. Exactly. They will tailor it to whatever you need. Not to mention it's a little bit uh, less expensive than it is talking to, you know, often than dealing with real therapy. That's yet one more obstacle that they uh, overcome for you. And, you know, you can let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Just visit BetterHelp.com slash Gleeman today and you get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gleeman. All right. Well, do you want to talk... Uh I like that. I'll, give, I'll let you choose your own adventure. Here. <laughs> okay. All Did right. you ever? Were you too old to read those books when you? Oh were no, two? you had, I, those we had okay. yeah. That was. I didn't mean that as like an old joke. I was actually no, no, no. Because no. like I, I, those books have been around longer than you have been around. Okay, I <laughs> yes, wasn't sure. Yeah, yes. Um, I remember I had a karate one that I read like two hundred times. It was like a ninja <laughs> went through, and I was like, "This is amazing." <laughs> I'd like to read that now. Um, do you, would you like to talk rotation? Or would you like to get all the injury updates? Let's get the injury updates okay. since we started down that road with Royce. It's a, it's a smart – you've out. chosen yep. a smart adventure. Today. Good. Uh, so here's where we're at. None of the injured trio, Lewis, Correa, Buxton, are going to Colorado. They are staying behind uh, – They've all taken live BP and such. Yes, they, right? they batted against like Alcala uh, – who am I – who am I forgetting? Well, anyway, three injured pitchers, basically. Because <laughs> the nice thing about having a million injured guys is you can put together simulated games right. and, and live batting practice, which is basically a simulated game. Uh, yeah, Lewis hit a home run. Yeah, I heard that. I said, uh, were there ghost runners on all three bases? And he goes, <laughs> sure, yeah, say that. Why not? Grand slam, sure. Uh, but they're not going. And so the Twins are almost, they're having like a mini camp kind of while the the right. team is on the road, all the injured guys, some minor leaguers, because apparently there's a rule, which seems so stupid to me, particularly given the twin setup, that I think starting today or tomorrow, you're no longer allowed to have organized anything at your AAA facility. Oh, really? So <laughs> that's terrible because they could basically yeah, have right. mini camp at St. Paul with all the prospects there. Right. But I guess it's so teams can't just... I don't know, whatever. Uh, so they'll be at Target Field. They're also going to have some guys in Fort Myers uh, kind of staying ready, e including some prospects. For instance, uh, Jair Camargo, okay. who's their best yeah. catching prospect, yeah. right. who had a 20-homer season at AAA, right. but they haven't needed him because, miraculously, they made it through, well, 159 games at least, yeah, <laughs> with uh, two catchers. But here's the thing. If a catcher were to get injured in the playoffs – you're going to need another catcher, right. and you can't just send the guy who would be your third catcher, just send him home for the offseason, and he heads to back home you know, out of the country, and there's visa issues. and So we ran into Jair Camargo. What are you I've you're getting out of I've your wallet? I've got a tangent to tell you. John just pulled One of our readers out. sent us this. It's just a pocket knocket piece of wood. That's smart. Yeah, because it, you – It's a business card piece of very thin wood. So that when I want to knock out wood and I can't find any wood around me, yeah, that is what they are. So that's our new I always secret like a, weapon for the playoffs. I always like Eric a Cleveland. loophole for a superstition. <laughs> 
just two things that don't aren't don't exist, but we've combined them to. There's a lot of religious uh, loopholes that people do too. Like, exactly. Sure. We're not allowed to do something after the sun sets. However, we could put our dishwasher on a timer so that it's and it's always like, is that you think that was intended in the rules when they came up with these weird rules? Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't really knock on wood. And look what it's gotten me. This great life that I have no superstition. You you knock on wood. Oh, I do. And you're sitting across from me and we're doing the same thing. Yeah, so that's true. we that's got to the same yeah, place at right. the same yeah, time. Um, so in terms of where they're at, I honestly think we can talk about like where their progress was as of yesterday. Right. Uh, but so much is going to come down to Monday. I, I think there's an extremely high chance – nearing 100% that Correa will be in the lineup for game one. Okay. Now, what type of shape he's in? Is he... Right. No, I'm not expecting him to be any better than he's been physically this season because it's the same injury he's been dealing mm-hmm. with. It's possible he's worse in that he did aggravate it, which right. caused him to go on the I.O. in general. He has said within the past several days he's making progress, he's feeling better, but again, you kind of you reach a ceiling with plantar fasciitis where it's like... You can feel a little better, but one false step, as yeah. we've seen with him. But I would absolutely expect him to be in the game one lineup and start all three games, assuming he doesn't tweak it again. Lewis, I think, has the second best chance of that trio to be in the game one lineup. Like I said, I would expect it to be at DH if he is in the lineup. It's also possible they just get there on Monday workout day and they're like, you know, do a little hitting, do a little running, try to take a ground ball or two, and it just it doesn't work. Right. I mean, yep. it's not... It either does or doesn't. There's no like, yeah. you know, you can tape it up and you can, you know, do whatever. But a hamstring injury is not a real forgiving thing when you're that short of a typical timeline. Yep. And then with Buxton, it's a real wild card, I think, at this point. I know, so I talked to Lavelle I, uh, I am, yesterday. Yeah, what do you say? I mean, he wants to play. He thinks he can play, but that's meaningless. He's not even on the roster right now. Like, it's one of those things where well, you, right. would th- you would think if they thought he could play, he would be well, none of Making the three some are appearances on the roster. In the games. No, I know, but Buxton, Buxton, Buxton is with in the ten day IL. He's long beyond the ten day IL. Is my point. I would think that they would want to give him some reps in real games if they were going well, to put him it, on the roster. Yes, but he's not getting reps. I get what you're saying about the timeline. I but mean, he, he was. He's not getting reps Saturday. in Colorado for the same reason Correa and Lewis are not getting reps in Colorado because they're trying to, in a tight window, get him get ready for Tuesday. Now, it just so happens that he's been trying to get ready for two months instead <laughs> yes, of two weeks, right. but it's the same. And, and, and he was playing in games up until Sunday, right? Yeah. He hit the AAA. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He played one game. Right. He only played one. He, it, Saturday was rained out. Oh, okay. All right. So he played, he played Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think he went 0 for, 0 for 4, I think, something like that, yeah. as the DH. Uh, I'm skeptical. Now, I say that a lot with Buxton. But it's usually correct. So um, I just, I mean, he really, he's played, I don't know, he's had 10 competitive at-bats in the last two months. They haven't looked particularly great. It's not like, I mean, there have been years past, he goes on a rehab and he's launching homers and you at least go, okay, at the plate he's locked in. Well, and if you've got Royce Lewis coming back as a DH. Well, yeah, I mean, I think no matter what, you're not going to see Buxton starting at DH against a right-handed pitcher, at least in the playoffs. I mean, what has he done to deserve right. that? I don't know, just in terms right. of warranting it with the performance, let alone with the injuries and stuff. Is it possible that they just say, screw it, we'll put him on the roster? You're kind of looking for like a Kirk Gibson right. moment where it's just like, 
I don't know. You put them on the roster. You hope that there's some left-handed reliever in the sixth inning or the eighth inning who comes in and you pinch hit Buxton for a lefty or Vasquez or something like that. And you just go, is there a 3% chance he turns on a fastball and hits it 450 feet? Yeah. Guess what? If he does that, right. it's amazing. If he doesn't do that, you know, is it, it that folly. is it that big of a difference than <laughs> right. Jordan Luplo's odds of doing that or <laughs> right, you know yeah, whatever, right. but I think the idea that he's going to play outfield or he's going to start a game in center, I mean that's beyond uh that was never likely and now I mean he hasn't even been able to do that on rehabs. But I mean yeah, he's he's clearly wants to play. I mean, he's doing all, it's difficult because and we've talked about this, like the the narrative surrounding his injuries, it's a lost cause. I mean, people hate him because of these injuries. And we've tried to kind of say, like, I don't like don't treat injuries as moral failings or choices. Like some guys are just hurt. Yep. But there comes a point, and we saw it with Maurer, we've seen it with a lot of off injured star players, particularly once they get a big contract and yep. people start to feel resentment and people start to all sorts of these weird emotions seep in. And now it's like, you know, you see a, you post a tweet about how Buxton's working to make his way back and hoping to play, and all the replies are just the most toxic thing you've ever seen. <laughs> and it's like, what was his big – what did he do? Like, what yeah. what has he done to anger people? Gotten injured. Yeah. Right. And attempted to play injured and attempted to come back. Well, isn't that precisely what people want? Play, right. the, he's willing to run through a wall. He's willing to limp his way through it. He's willing to play at 80%. Now, the problem becomes – the team has to make a decision based on that same information and their motives are different than Byron Buxton's because from Byron Buxton's standpoint, he wants to play and he's willing to do whatever he can do to push himself physically to play. And that's great. That's the attitude you want a player to have, but he's that's the attitude he's had before and it hasn't always worked out short term or long term from the twin standpoint. It's like, well, it's great that he's willing to push himself to play. It's great that he'd play at 1%, 10%, 50%. But they have to say to themselves, "We need, we need the roster spot." Right? <laughs> right yeah. Is that actually when, helping when, when us? When is he going to play? First of yes. all, what would the if role he does be? play? Is he going to help? Right. right. Exactly. And so I think that's where he's at. I would not be shocked if he's on the playoff roster. I mean, what are we really talking about here? We'll debate the twenty fifth, twenty sixth spots on a roster. Sure. Yeah. And I do think having a pinch runner like Stevenson or an extra bullpen, those things are valuable. But, I mean, it is the 26th spot on a 26-man roster for a three-game series. So it's yeah. not like, you know, it ain't prime real estate here. Yeah. And so if you just want to say to yourself, you know, screw it. Maybe he launches one. Maybe maybe he doesn't even get used. Maybe that spot never even comes up. Maybe he pinch runs once. Maybe, you know, whatever. I think a key scenario could be, are they confident that if he comes off the bench as a pinch hitter, let's say as a righty against a lefty reliever, yeah. pinch hitting for, you know, I don't even know. Uh, are they confident that he could just go stand in left field for two innings? Because then he could potentially take the role of Luplo. Sure. Now, I would argue you could use both, especially if you're going to face Valdez. But honestly, if you're facing Seattle or Toronto, especially Seattle, yeah. you're not facing lefties really that matter anyway. And yeah. so the idea of Luplo or Buxton or these right-handed bench bats, which is weakness for the Twins potentially, right. yep. is much less you know, impactful in that yeah, spot. Yep. So that's where I think the injuries are. I would expect Correa to play. I would not be surprised if Lewis plays, but at DH, and I would be mildly surprised if Buxton plays. I would be very surprised if Buxton, you know, is starting against right-handed pitchers, especially, yeah, or I, starting in I the outfield. I can't imagine that being the case, but I can see him coming off the bench. And, like, you, you raise a good point. Whether or not he can, you know, 
be productive in the outfield or be productive after playing the field is right. one question. But I don't think there's a question that, you know, if you needed him to st- to run around left field for the eighth and ninth inning because he pinch hit in the bottom of the seventh, then he'd right. be able to do that. You would hope. Right. Now right. and that it would not necessarily affect him too much for the next t- next well, opportunity and if he has. It does, and if it's game three, yeah. You replace him on right. the roster right. and then he's out for the next round. Right. because uh, that's the rules. You can replace an injured player between games. They're then right unavailable or ineligible for the remainder of that series and the entire following series. But if Buxton or Lewis, for that matter, if Lewis tries to give it a go, plays three innings and gets removed, right. well, he's unlikely to be ready to go four days later for the start of the second round series. So the ineligibility there. So, yeah, I think that's where they're at with Buxton. I mean, I don't know. I think uh, people are going to have strong opinions either way. I think it's a relatively low wattage uh like I said, real estate on the roster, if they think there's a chance he could make an impact. Right. Sure. My question with the outfield thing is, you know, when Jordan Luplo pinch hits, you just go throw him out in left field. Right. Why are you, A, like you said, can Buxton do that physically? Yes, right. I don't, I'm sure he can, but, you know, what's the domino effect of that? And then here's my real question. Are they going to make a mockery of the outfield and put him in center field then? <laughs> and move like Michael Taylor to left <laughs> yeah, field, right, yeah. which is going to be absurd. That would be ridiculous. Um, so we'll see about that. I'm I'm not saying that's what they plan to do, but that would be, I think, I, that would be a bad look. I think but. this 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 whole discussion does sort of raise another point about your point about scouting. You know the various three teams. Yeah, the other teams. Roles change in the even if you're scouting teams and this also leads into the sure. rotation and bullpen talk we have roles change so much in the postseason like you will find players doing things and in places that you yes. did not expect them to be or places they have not been for 162 games yeah or, right, or, right? Or for ken tomato <laughs> right? yesterday was his first, first relief <laughs> appearance in four years exactly right and you see you know you get the game three dallas keiko pitching eighth ninth well, innings right, right. Yeah, but right. i mean you, we've seen teams go on playoff runs where all of a sudden max scherzer's coming out of the bullpen on right. two days rest and right you, yeah you put Push because the the considerations, the sort of um, the domino effects or right. the, you know, what happens the day after is of less importance than what happens that day. Right. And there's just sort of a all hands on deck situation, which right. the twins are in. So that the, 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 the fact is that the roles that you have become accustomed to, right. one of the challenges of the playoffs is that they don't have to be in those roles anymore. That, that if the manager wants or if the organization wants, they want to start screwing around with some things, they can do it. They don't right. have to be, they, they don't have to for game three, they don't have to have go to a starter that's gonna go six innings. They can go to two guys that are each gonna go right. three innings. They can do right. they can do a bunch of things like that. A bunch of goofy stuff can happen in the playoffs. And that's what and makes it, it tough to handicap, right? Like, to say who do they want to play, who's right. the favorite. Right. Because it's just all the you know, what you know over six months is not what you know over three games, yes, basically, yes. or what you think you know over yes. uh so yeah. And and, and the I mean, as we get to the rotation, we talk about the yeah. bullpen and such. I think that's worth mentioning because the Twins are already putting guys into a bunch of different roles that we have not seen before. Yeah. And as much as we have seen Baldelli use the deep bench and screw around with the lineup through the first 162 games, it's going to be real interesting to see what he's doing with this pitching staff and rotation yes. and bullpen through the through the postseason. Well, yeah, at this I mean, point, I asked. Uh, he's got more tools and toys to play with right. now than he has ever had yes. in his in his five years of managing here. We're going to get to see what his tendencies are on that. On but that's like that. that's the that can be good. It can also be bad because you know yeah. you still have to yeah. make the right decisions. Right. And yes, they have more high octane arms 
right. I would say, kind of playoff caliber raw stuff in the bullpen than they've had at any point, not only this season, but for five years or ten years. Or I don't even know. Because you're adding Louis Varland, right. who now looks phenomenal as a right. reliever. You're right. adding Chris Paddock, who threw 99, right. his far- fastest pitch ever. You're adding <laughs> Kenta Maeda who, right. into the bullpen. You're adding Brock Stewart, yes. who we can mention here in a second, back to the bullpen. You want before we jump into that? You want to get the last? Well, let me just finish on this. So, and then we'll talk rotation after this. But uh, it—it's great to have all that. It's great to be able to reach into your grab bag and not just have three things you can pull out, but have eight things you can pull out that you theoretically feel comfortable with. But none of that's going to matter if you bring <laughs> right. in Chris Paddock for the sixth inning of a tie game and he get, he walks a guy and gives right. up a two-run homer yeah. because there's so many moving parts here or, or so many like unproven, not only sure. from an injury standpoint. For instance, Chris Paddock, if he's on the playoff roster, I think he will be, but it's not certain, obviously. He will have either made one or two appearances right. in the last two years. Right. <laughs> right. And he's never been a reliever right. except until this week, basically. Right. Brock Stewart will either have made one or two appearances since June. Yeah. Uh, Louis Varlin is a rookie who's been a reliever for about, right. I don't know, 15 days. Yeah. Uh, and th- there's guys beyond, Kenta Maeda, for that matter. We're looking and saying, oh, five years ago, he was great in the bullpen for the Dodgers. Well, yeah, he was a different pitcher five years ago. He's got yeah. much more question marks. And so, theoretically, all these guys have huge upside. There isn't a guy they're going to have in their bullpen who do- who isn't, I think, depending if they take eight or nine, but who isn't the caliber of stuff or upside or ceiling that could pitch the seventh inning of a close playoff game. But half those guys, like four out of the eight, let's say, you have no idea what you're getting for them, realistically. Like even Brock Stewart, like who, you don't know. You're hoping. (laughs) Chris Paddock, Louis Varlin, Kent Maeda, and on and on. And that's even, not even including guys like Pagan, who are fully healthy and in their normal role. Right. I don't know what they're going to get from the <laughs> yeah, Pagan. Right. Part of me thinks I do know what they're going to get, and that's the scary part. You know what I yeah, mean? Exactly. So right. that's that's where, and Baldoli, I've asked him about this, and he's talked about this. It's a rare spot to be in where the Twins in past years and many teams get to this point in the season where the playoffs are ahead, and they're just trying to patch together anything in the bullpen. Right. Yes. They're on, they've lost two setup guys to arm injuries. Guys are worn down. Yes. Well, the Twins look, have look, look at the Rangers right now. Yeah, like, I mean, the other, the other, they're just look at on the Twins fumes, three right? weeks ago. Right. By the way, they yeah. were in that spot, right. but they got all these reinforcements. And so Baldelli's point was, and I agree, which is, it's a rare position to be in where you have more and better bullpen options now than yeah. you did at any point this season. Yeah. But also. It you doesn't have, really matter. You yes. Know? I mean, you have no clue really what you're getting. You're hopeful yeah. that what you're getting, and that's why they're going to try to pitch him. I mean, that is the that is the beauty uh, and the drama of the postseason. It's also the tragedy of the postseason is you can end up with a incredibly high leverage spot. Right. And, you know, not just from the pitching side, but on the hitting side. And the guy coming up to the plate is the 220 hitter that you don't yes. want in that high leverage spot. And then he can hit a home run. And it is Mark Lemke and, you know, there's all kinds of playoff heroes who had no business being playoff heroes. And, by the way, the flip side is true. There's all kinds of Hall of Fame players who did nothing in the playoffs. That that is right. Yeah, this is – Because the small samples get – it eliminates everything. It smooths out everything. That's right. And, you know – That's one of the things about those three guys. The three guys that are on the IL that we just talked about coming back. Maybe this – if you were going to – Ask me which three guys on the roster do I feel like 
I I am least worried about them being you know not big enough for the moment. Like they feel like they're big enough for the moment. Sure. Right. That, in that yeah. They, they would be I Correa guess. based on his on his Houston sure. success. Buxton just based on how many times he's ended up in game winning home runs or this was even, sometimes not game winning home runs. Sometimes they end up uh, you know yes. losing at the bottom of the ninth, right? right? But over and over and over, he's shown that. Big and then Royce Lewis, who's been who's been that too. And those are the three guys yeah, that we're wondering whether or not they're going to come back. And I mean, that sounds like that is a sports talk cliche about yeah. being, but. I mean, it is what it is. Like, the postseason is about moments and yes. about coming through on moments, well, yeah, I mean, regardless of what your OPS was during the regular season. Go back and look at the list of, like, ALCS, NLCS, and World Series MVPs. <laughs> it's not Hall of Famers. Yeah. I mean, there's some Hall of Famers. Yeah, sure. But it's different. You go back and look at, like, NBA Finals MVP. Yeah. And right, it's just yes, right. a million Michael Jordans and LeBron James. I mean, there's there's never been, right. a, you know... Uh, David Eckstein and, and, and version. Rosario is uh, absolutely a yeah, uh, NLCS. Uh, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, but and I'll make another comp to NBA, which I love the NBA. I'm a big basketball fan. Excited coming up <laughs> less than a month. Um, a lot of times in basketball, the cliche that people use is it's a make or miss league, right? And especially in the playoffs, which is you're going to run your offense right. and your strengths are going to hopefully beat the other team's weaknesses. But ultimately, a lot of things are going to come down to you got one of your best shooters standing in a corner, yeah, uh, and he gets a pass from a double-teamed player, and he gets a wide-open shot that he's made 40% of the time (laughs) over the last six months, and he's either going to make it or he's going to miss it. And if he makes it, you're going to be hoisting a trophy, and the narratives are going to be how brilliant the team was and how clutch this guy was, and their plan worked perfect, or he's going to miss it. 50% 50% or 60% of the time, yep. Yep. in which case the coach should be fired and they need to make changes yeah. and the strategy didn't work. Right. And that's in baseball, especially. It's three out of 10. He's, right. a, he's it's a, a make he's or a miss league. Goat. Yeah. And, and right. you know, it's with Correa or with uh, Buxton, like we talked about. You could have him on the roster and he's going to find himself in a big spot right. and he's either going to make it or he's going to miss it. Yeah. And if he makes it, amazing. Yeah. And if he misses it, well, Jordan Luplo might have missed it too. Who knows? <laughs> uh, before we get. A little more to the rotation. Let's just finish up with our last couple of sponsors. I have been playing with the odds are application that we talked about a few weeks ago, which is uh, uses machine AI machine learning to sort of identify the best bets that you can make out there. If you're somebody who likes to follow, you know what is going on with sports and who is favored and who might not be favored and so on. I gotta say it's pretty interesting. One of the things I like about it is that. It's got two tabs. One is sort of the top-ranked ones, like, for instance, on tonight's top-ranked ones. They're B- recommended plays, yeah, basically. These are the recommended right. plays. Like, in particular, it likes BYU versus the spread tonight, right? And then it also has just sort of all. Like, every game that's going on, these are games that they're not necessarily they'll, – they'll tell you what they think. Yeah. But the AI isn't grading that one as, oh, this is an absolutely right. – they're offering the like, same info if right. you want to de- delve deeper into and figure out what you think about it, basically. That's right. And, you know, basically, I like that they, they're – you know, leaning on a method that isn't just luck. Yes, you know it's called I mean? so. odds are uh, the word odds, and then just a capital R. Odds yeah, are all one word. Uh, and we have a special link for you to use to get straight to the download, just for Gleeman and the Geek listeners. If you download the app at oddsr.com/slash Gleeman, you get thirty days free, free. on yeah. the app to give it a try. That's odds o d d s r odds r.com/slash Gleeman, and you get thirty days. 
That's free right. on and, the and app. By the way, you do, it's not someplace you make bets. It's just something that to just help research you know research and Exactly. Analysis. Yep. That's right. Uh, and then, last but not least, the the Game Time app, which uh, can very much come in handy for hard to find <laughs> or last minute tickets. That's their special. That, that, and that is what the Twins postseason Twins games post-season are. Postseason games will be last minute when you don't even know the game time until a uh, day before. It is really last minute. That's exactly right. Uh, it you know it's an app. Yes. John has used it many times, literally walking to Target yes. Field to yes. purchase tickets, and then you by the time you get to the gate, you just show your phone, That's right. you walk right in, it works perfectly, and so it's called Game Time. It's an app on your phone. Uh, you can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time and just download the Game Time app, create an account, and then use the code Gleeman, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but just create an account on the Game Time app, redeem the code Gleeman, G-L-E-E-M-A-N. You get $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. All right. Let's talk rotation here. So I wrote this up in a very uh, silly way a couple days ago to kind of play up the the secretive aspect that the Twins <laughs> always lean into, which is Sunday morning. Uh, Baldelli kind of uncharacteristically let it slip. He was just like, you know what? I'm going to be honest. Uh, Pablo and Sonny are starting the first two games for us. <laughs> right. And we were all like, oh, wow, that's, uh, I mean, everyone, that's the worst kept secret ever, but he, right. he just doesn't usually say that stuff. Right. And so then we, we were like, okay. And we tweeted it out and go upstairs. You watch the game. You come back down post game because I had spent the entire game debating with Doe, <laughs> Young Park from MLB.com. I love this. My uh, seatmate. Did he mean specifically that Lopez would start game one and Sonny Gray would start game two in that order? Or did he just mean those two guys are starting the first two games in some order? Right. So then we get down there post game and uh, we waited till the cameras went off and he did his interview and everything. And we said, hey, just uh, by the way, just to clarify, like from a reporting standpoint, you, you did mean specifically that Lopez would start game one and Sonny Gray would start game two, at which point he said, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> whatever whatever mood he was in to be revealing right. that, in the morning was not the same at night. <laughs> right. uh, and so, but he did finally say that uh, yesterday. Okay. Lopez is starting game one. Sonny Gray is starting game two. No one will say who's starting game three, but it lines up to be Joe Ryan, who right. is actually starting tonight at Coors. I think it'll probably be an abbrevi- abbreviated start, much like uh, Sonny Gray yes. and Pablo Lopez only went short three, 80, or, four, three or four. Innings or something? 80 pitches? Uh, not even. Sonny Gray threw like 40 oh, yeah, pitches right, or something yeah. like that. Pablo Maeda right, threw more yeah. pitches in relief of Sonny Gray than Sonny Gray <laughs> threw okay, right. in his start, which we're going to get to that in a second too. But I'm almost certain it'll be Joe Ryan in game three. However... I'm less certain than I was yesterday at this time because the way they used Maeda in his first relief, technically relief appearance in four years, four years to the day since his last relief appearance in 2019 for the Dodgers, uh, he threw four innings basically and, I don't know, 65 pitches. It was effectively a start, a shorter start, but a start. It just so happened that it began in the fourth inning or the whatever inning after Gray left. When they talked about Maeda shifting to the bullpen and skipping his final two turns in the rotation to transition to to relief for the playoffs, well, that's something he often did with the Dodgers. That's something that has always loomed as a possibility for the Twins, particularly once they had good depth in the rotation down the stretch with Ryan and Ober, et cetera. My assumption was the the role he'd be transitioning to bullpen-wise would probably be similar to Varlin and Paddock, which is kind of bridge two-inning – you know, give or take, the starter leaves after five. How do we get it to 
you know, Theobar Jacks, Duran, or, or Stewart in the seventh, eighth, ninth. Right. Well, we need someone to come in for the fifth, sixth, or the sixth, seventh. You know, a guy to go through the lineup once, right. basically. Yeah. And that's what they've been kind of grooming Varlin and Paddock for. I assumed Maeda would take something similar, maybe a little higher leverage potentially than those two just because of his experience. But that was not the usage that he had yesterday. Right. The usage that he had yesterday was you're starting a game, you're just beginning it in the middle of the game, basically, almost like an opener situation. And we tried to get some answers afterward and talk to him about it, and he basically just said, I'm going to stay ready for any role. Right. Like, yeah. I haven't been told anything. If they need me to start, I start. If they need me. And so that made me less. I went from like 99.9% certain Joe Ryan starts game three to like 95% certain. When I wonder what starting even means anymore. Well, right. That's point. the other That's thing. The thing. Like, what I saw yesterday, I thought the same thing. And I actually, when they moved my end of the bullpen, I wondered whether or not they would go like that. We just talked about how roles and stuff right. don't necessarily right. exist, right? I can see them going into a game three with them being like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go 4-3-2. We're going to put Joe Ryan out there for four with his high fastball right. for four innings. He's going to get through the lineup maybe twice, maybe not. But we're, right. we're not letting him see somebody a third time. right? And then we're going to put Maeda out there for three. And then we're going to put uh, you know Varland out there for two or close it down with you know, Jax or yeah, whatever. Yeah, your right? normal right? setup. Duran, something like that. right? right? And that's kind of what they did yesterday. Yeah, they, although I, that's what I've kind of been assuming. Because, I mean, I think right. they could even do that with Gray and Lopez, too, to some extent. Right. Because they basically have three right. guys who could do that as yes. relief, Varlin, Paddock, and, and Maeda. But yesterday made me think even slightly different than that, which is like he might just start game three. Right. Or – Maeda, you mean? Yes. Yeah. And then or at the very least, in which case is Ryan then even on the roster? Now, again, I still think Joe yeah, Ryan's right. going to start right. game three, right. but I'm just yes. sort of hypothesizing here. Or – is this more of a keep him stretched out so that he could start game one of a second round series, which Another would point. be next yep. Saturday? Yes, that's right. Um, because, again, if Pablo Lopez can't start both openers on full rest. Right. So right. you yeah. don't need a fourth starter in the first round, and then all of a sudden the fourth starter is the game one starter right. in the second round, which would then line them up to potentially start twice in a five-game series. So that could be Ober, which has kind of been my assumption here, or it could just be Kenta Maeda for four innings because right. he's remained mostly stretched out. It could be also they could just be maintaining maximum flexibility, which we know the yep. Twins love to do, especially with pitching. And maybe they play it by ear for game one and game two. And if Kent Maeda is needed for two innings in one of those games, yeah. then yeah, well, he's not starting anything or That's even right. being exactly a bridge right. in game yep. three. Yep. But if he's not needed to pitch and in the first maybe two Maybe they games, throw his bendy stuff for four innings and then right. they follow it up with a Varland or a, yes. uh, or a or Joe Ryan so for that matter. I still think right. it'll be Joe Ryan, but I'm slightly less certain than I was. And really the bigger takeaway is just the whatever role Maeda is might be – reliever or bullpen but it might not really be what you're kind of imagining right. as reliever bullpen it might be like quasi starter who comes in in the middle of the game it could be a bridge or it could just be i mean hell seventh inning tie game righties do up all right it's going to be Maeda here like they could really use him in almost any he is a wild card in the sense yes. that like he's done all the roles he's done well in all the roles he seems very open to doing whatever they need which for a 35 year old impending free agent i give him credit for because yeah. he's he's very you know team driven and yes. just saying basically right. i'll do it whatever you need me to do i'm keeping my options open i'm staying stretched out all that stuff so yeah i mean and for that matter i mean if they want to prepare him for a game three right and they say, 
you know, you prepare just like you're going to be a starter. I mean, right. they might have very well done that with yesterday. Like, listen, we're going to go Sunday Gray four innings. We're going to, uh, four right. we're going to go with you three, four no, innings they did. like this. Because he right. said yeah. – you, you prepare it just like it is. You, you yes. your five days of rest. You have your, you know, your bullpen day a couple days early. and You do everything as if you're starting. We're just having you start in the fourth inning right. or the fifth inning. That's right. basically what he prepped to do. The only thing I will say about that is – and I know people are going, what's the difference? Like, why does it matter if you label him a reliever or a starter if he's going to go – but here's the only way it really matters – is if you were going to say to Maeda or any reliever, Louis Varlin, we've seen it with Louis Varlin, there's a difference in terms of how they would approach from pitch mix, but also like effort level. Right. Because if you tell Louis Varlin you're a reliever right. and you're an actual reliever, well, we've seen right. what happens. He goes from throwing 95 to throwing 99 right. because he knows I'm only going through the lineup once. Right. I might That's only right. pitch, you know, 20 pitches, right. 30 pitches. I might go two innings, three innings. I don't need to pace myself. Right. I don't need to, you know, throw 90% so that I am have more gas left in the tank. And with Maeda, I'm not saying he's going to have some massive velocity jump, but there is a difference in terms of approach and mindset and just effort, like yeah. max effort. If you tell him you're a true reliever, like you're going to throw 25 pitches yeah. or, hey, be ready to throw four innings. Because if you tell him to be ready for 25 pitches, his pitch mix is going right. to be different. He is probably going to add a mile or two in velocity versus we saw yesterday. He basically just made a start and pitched like he normally does in a start, right. which is he was trying to pace himself. He knew he was going to go through the lineup more than one time. Sure. So that's really like strategically, but also just in terms and of – And also in terms of prep- preparation. Like right. if, if, if you're preparing to – listen, you're going to throw four innings on on game three. If there's a game three, you're throwing four innings for it. Well, then you're really not available for game one and game right. two. That too, yeah. You know what I mean? So that – yeah, that's a little bit different. And if you, if you are available for game one and game two and you're not used, you're probably not going to be – have done the routine to go four innings in game three. Well, you know what I mean? they've told you in advance that that's the whole well, plan. Right, that's but, right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's see. A few other things. So, yeah, all I mean there is just like when we think about, oh, Maeda's going to be in the bullpen for the playoffs. There's a big difference in terms of the stuff and the pitch mix right. versus, well, is he actually a reliever or is he just kind of a reliever in name right. only? Right. And that's Is he uncertain. somebody that is on call all the time or right. is he somebody that they're going to screw on with and have a plan Right. That is different than the sort of things we see or that you can afford to do 162 I mean, game like, season. It's right. like if you're a runner, you, you know, there's a big difference between uh, running <laughs> 500 meters and a marathon. Right. Like, you're, yeah. yes, you're the same runner. Yes. And, but you just are going to approach it completely differently. And your first step right out of the box is going to be different because right. uh, you're going to either pace yourself or not be pacing yourself. In terms of the first two guys, which is going to be Lopez Tuesday, Sonny Gray Wednesday. Uh, they both had as planned abbreviated starts. Um, yep. And yet, even with the abbreviated start, Pablo Lopez threw 194 innings this season, which is a career high. Second year in a row, he set a career high. Second year in a row, he's yeah. Take out that card <laughs> with the wood. On I, it. I don't need. It. I've got the wooden tape over here. So he has talked since spring training about he had shoulder problems quite a bit with right. the Marlins early, early in his career. And last season, he made 30-plus starts and pitched 185 innings or something like that for the first time in his career, which is part of why the yep. Twins valued him so highly. But he talked from the moment they got him. The first Zoom we did with him last offseason, he was like, the most important thing for me now, I've, I've figured out how to pitch. I think I, I'm, I'm a good major league pitcher. I need to figure out how do I make 30 starts? How do I throw 190 innings? Right. Yes. How do I feel as strong in September or now October? 
as I do in April. And that was a struggle for him, but he figured it out. He thought he figured out some things last year with the Marlins and then took it even further. So even with the abbreviated start, he's a shade under 200 innings, which is a lot in 2023. Uh, that's a career high. And then Sonny Gray, who despite this weird reputation he's uh, earned from Twins fans who are <laughs> upset about quick hooks from Baldelli, he's been one of the least durable, good starting pitchers of the last decade. Like, you go look at Sonny Gray's innings total. Right. And the notion of why don't the Twins just leave him in until he's tired? Well, yeah. I mean, he's more <laughs> often throwing 110 innings in a season than 175, let alone 200. Right. And so he finished with 184 innings, which is his most since uh, since 2015 when he was a young kind of phenom with the A's. It's been eight years since he got past 175 innings. And the team to get him past 175 innings is the one that is constantly being criticized for removing him from games right. early. Right. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And just from a performance standpoint, in addition to the durability and, and workload and everything, both of them, Sonny Gray also talked about how because he was kind of behind when camp started after the lockout last year, in part because he was part of the Players Association yes, and right. all that, yes. uh, all the negotiations and everything, he had some nagging hamstring all season. He felt like he was kind of behind from the start and never really got right. And you look and he ended up throwing out 120 innings or something like that. He was good, but he actually said something that I thought was interesting last after last start, not this most recent one, where he was like, he's like, I don't, I'm not trying to like sound conceited, but I can throw, I can post the ERA in the mid threes in 120 innings in my sleep. Like, I know I can yeah, do that. Right. That's not the question. The question is not how good can I be. I'm good. Like, and, and sure enough, if you look consistently, 3.5 year, right? 3.7 year, right? I mean, yes. just every year. Now, this year, he's two point something. That's, that's key, too. <laughs> right. But his thing was I spent the entire offseason working out and working out differently to try to, much like Lopez, be as strong in September as I am in April and make it through 175, 185 innings. And 184 innings for Sonny Gray, that's a lot of innings. Yes, it is. Uh, he's a little dude. He's 33. He has a history of injuries and, and shorter starts and 120 innings, 110 yeah. innings in a season. This was a big accomplishment for him. But then beyond that, I mean, he's got a 279 ERA, That's crazy. which I think is going to end up yep. being second to Garrett Cole in the American League. Yep. Uh, he's definitely going to get some Cy Young votes, down ballot Cy yep. Young votes. Uh, it's the lowest ERA by a qualified twin starter since Johan. Uh, and then I'll continue that theme by saying that uh, Pablo Lopez struck out 234 batters, <laughs> yes. which is 60 more than his previous career best, yeah. which is incredible. Right. And that is the most by a Twins pitcher since Johan. Johan. Yep. All the lists right. are since yeah. Johan. Here's, I wanted to read this. So uh, Pablo Lopez starting game one, career high in innings, 60 more strikeouts than he's ever struck out before. And he's always been a decent strikeout right. pitcher. Uh, and he talked about this when the Twins got him. He talked about this even more when they a month later when they signed him to a contract extension. But I thought it was worth reading. So he was basically asked – after his last start, how the hell do you go at, you know, in your fifth, sixth season or whatever with a new team shattering your, you know, 234 strikeouts after having 170 right. was your previous or whatever right. record? And he basically said, I'll read you the whole quote here. It's a good quote. He's smart. He's a good, he's yeah, a good he's talker, a, yes, he as is. we like to say. Yes. Uh, he said, up until last year with the Marlins, 
uh, I figured the moment I developed some kind of consistent breaking ball, that was going to open up doors for more options because I was always playing the north-south game yes. with a fastball well, and a changeup. Change He's yeah. had a great changeup yep. and a mid-90s fastball. So here's a little more from him. He said, I didn't really have anything to expose that low and away to a righty, down and into a lefty. I tinkered with a cutter that was not very successful early in my career. He's talking about with the Marlins. So then he, here's the where it gets kind of interesting to me. He said – I'm extremely grateful for all the resources the Twins made available when it came to pitch development and understanding the be- the benefits behind why a pitch moving in a certain direction would give us options we the options we were looking for. He said I like statistics, I like facts. The moment they brought me all kinds of numbers and information, I was already sold on the idea of adding a, a sweeper, sweeper. Yeah. A, a breaking ball, a right. kind of uh, east west yeah. Slider D- dives, ball dives down and away to righties right. and in, in in down and lefties. Yeah. So and then just to finish this quote, he said, and then it was just about practice, developing, and working on that consistency. The twins were not only good at giving me the idea in the first place, uh, but also making sure we were taking the right steps in the right direction. He went on more about that, and I've talked to some twins coaches about it too, which is. I mean, we, hell, we talked about this the day they acquired him, which is yes. he's already a really good pitcher. He's got a great changeup. Yes. He's got a mid-90s fastball, but he's had some injury problems, which at least for this year, he's yes. gotten past, and he's had an inconsistent third pitch. You know, he's tinkered with bigger curveballs. He's tinkered with tighter sliders. Like you said, he's tinkered with a cutter, uh, and it just it, it hasn't worked, and he scrapped it. He's yes. become a two-pitch guy, and the Twins, from the moment they acquired him, and he basically said – I showed up to spring training day one, and Pete Mackey, the pitching coach, yeah. and some of the analytics guys literally took him in a room yeah, and right. set up like an iPad and said, here's what we want you to do. Here's why it's important. Here's why it will be effective. And here's even more than that, like he said, the, the options it can create or the doors it can open. And I know and we people, started talking to him in spring training about he was working on two different types yes. of curveballs, yes. basically, right? He was working, trying to find something. He, he wasn't just, he wasn't putting all his eggs in one basket either. Right. He was working a couple he of was different truly things. Just trial right. and error. That's right. Like what works, what feels comfortable, yes. what gets swings and misses, what, right. what's getting hit, what's, what's getting reactions from hitters. Right. And they settled on the sweeper. And you look now, and he went from, you know, throwing a breaking ball. 15% of the time ineffectively right. to throwing it 30% of the time or more right. very effectively, right. getting tons of swings and misses. Righties and lefties ha- are yeah, knocking to, it around. To the point that the, you know a guy who has always been known as one of the best changeups in the Major right. League Baseball was cutting back on his changeups yes. because, yeah. because from a mixed standpoint, it worked better, even though it is known as one of the best right. pitches in Major Leagues. And so right. I know one people the best are obsessed with the lack of like young ace-level pitchers or frontline starters that the Twins have developed because there was all this talk sure. about the pitching pipeline and all that right. but Pablo Lopez is 27 and for the twins to go out they paid a premium to get him absolutely but then they signed him to an extension and now he's starting game one of the playoffs after setting right. a career high and everything they they looked at a guy who was really good with a fastball and a changeup, and they said here are here's kind of what we can do for you right we can get you throwing harder which they added like a mile and a half Per you know, fastball. Yeah, we can get you help you stay on the path of staying healthy, which he set a career high in innings, and he's feeling strong heading into the yeah. playoffs. And we can literally help you invent a pitch that you've never thrown before. And not only will it be effective, it will be arguably now your best pitch. Right. It will completely change the sort of arsenal that you can throw at 
hitters. You completely right. change what they have to think about, what they have to react to. And that's how you strike out 60 more batters than ever before. Yeah. That's why you're starting game one. And I think when the focus is on, well, hey, didn't they hire Falvey from Cleveland to build this pitching pipeline? Yeah, well, they haven't developed as many young frontline starters. But you look at what they've done with Joe Ryan, yep. who was not an elite prospect when they acquired him, right. and is now throwing a splitter that he never threw before and a sweeper that he never threw before, and is, was at an all-star level right. for much of this season. Right. You look at, by the way, what they did with Sonny Gray, who's an old-ass veteran multi-time all-star, right. having one of his arguably his best season yeah. in yep. eight years, really. And then you look at what they did with Pablo Lopez. You look at what they've done with Louis Varlin, who went from Bailey throwing Ober. Bailey Ober, same right. thing. So, yes, it's not... Everyone wants, oh, the rotation stacked with 23-year-old future All-Stars. Yeah, well, yeah. they haven't gotten to that. Yeah. Uh, but their ability to take like 25, 26, 27-year-olds and get them to a level, or even a 33-year-old like Sonny Gray, and get them to a level that they've rarely, if ever, been at, that's yeah. remarkable in itself. And I think it's good for a smart guy like Pablo Lopez to have a quote where he's like, I like statistics. I like information because the shit sure. you always hear – this stuff, sorry. The stuff you always hear – when people are frustrated is, well, these guys have no feel and they're just giving numbers and blah, blah, blah. Well, for some pitchers like Pablo Lopez, who is smart as hell, he wants that stuff. Right. He got excited when they pulled him aside on day one in Fort Myers and said, come into this room. We're going to show you everything we got planned. Right. Now, some pitchers might not like that, but for him, it's worked. And so that's why I'm I'm – more excited even with him signed long-term than I was when they did it. And I thought it was a good move when they did it. And I'm just very curious and, and hopeful in terms of game one because Sonny Gray could have easily started game one. And yes, I think you can make the argument that Sonny Gray yeah. was a better pitcher this year. Right. Now, yeah. ERA-wise, that's an easy argument right. to make. You look at some of the secondary numbers and all that, it's a little bit closer. Sure. But uh, you know, here's the thing. They're each going to start once in the, in the right. first round that's series. Right. It's a it's a pretty good place to be in. It'd be interesting. To, I, I'll give one more thing about that, is that you know we have said over and over and over again how stubborn this organization can be uh, about something they sort of believe in, right? right. Well, they, they will double down and double down and double down, right? Right. The pitching pipeline is an example of them, you know, listen, I know that's still a priority. It's something that hasn't, you know, it has worked a little bit, you know, like Varland and Ober and such. But they've also pivoted to the point where, like, listen, we've got some position players. We can trade some of these guys for some right. starters. And that's what we've seen them do over and over and over again. I mean, they have brought in a lot of pitchers that way. They brought in Kenta Maeda that way. Right. Not, not with the hitter, but with a, a different pitcher. Right. right? With uh, They brought in uh, – Malley did not work out. Right. But uh, Sonny Gray Joe did Ryan work was out. a trade. Joe, Joe Ryan was, was a trade. Out, right. Pablo I mean, Lopez is a trade. Yeah. Like, they have – they have shown the flexibility on that particular piece. They have not been. They have and maybe that was just by necessity. Like if you're not actually yes. developing those, you, well, I mean, you the don't problem really have a with choice, right? putting all your eggs in the developing young pitching category is one, it's really difficult, right? Yeah, and two, even if you are somewhat successful, injuries can just wipe all right. that away That's anyway. Right. Yeah. Like who knows what Matt Cantorino would have turned into? Right. Right. It doesn't matter. He's been hurt for three years. Right. Who knows right. what you know? Fill in the blank starter would have turned yeah. into, um, and yet here we are. This is the strongest rotation they've ever had. They're right. not. It's not a homegrown rotation, but who cares? Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's so strong that they're able to shift multiple starters <laughs> right, yeah. to the bullpen, right. including Varlin, right. who is a young starter. Right. Uh, and so it's a it's a place the Twins in my lifetime have never been in, really, right. yeah. basically. Yeah, sure. But again. 
All this stuff. Now they got to do it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All this stuff about Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan. If they go out there and get knocked around yeah. in the playoffs, they can't have a crummy game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't that's matter. Right. Yep. It's, a, it's a make or miss league. Uh, let's see. And then just to finish up, we talked a little bit about the bullpen, obviously. Uh, Paddock finally actually got into a yes, game. It didn't rain <laughs> on him. Uh, the first <laughs> inning was extraordinarily promising. He gave yes. up a leadoff single on the first pitch he'd thrown in 16 months and then struck out the next three batters. Yeah. He hit 99, which is the fastest pitch he's ever thrown in his entire life. And, you know, recorded. In he might have been a little juiced up. He was juiced up. <laughs> and then he came out for a second inning, which was planned. Right. That was the whole point. And uh, got knocked around a little bit. Yes. But that's why you're trying to put him in these spots in that's games right. that don't yeah. really matter. Um, Brock Stewart returned, uh, has pitched once now for the, the Twins, looked like his, his usual self. Um, we've talked to him a couple times over the last week or so. He's in good spirits. He's, you know, he's saying he's letting it rip. He, there's no kind of mental holdback of well, what happens if this, I think, uh, a month ago he wasn't in as good a spot. He had some soreness still. Um, but they played a longer game with him. And fortunately from a timeline standpoint, it worked out kind of ideally with a lot of these guys. Returning. I love his new entrance music. Yeah. <laughs> I want to rock by uh, Brock. I want to Brock yeah. by uh, by Twisted Sister. It's good. It is fantastic. I uh, I was like, well, I guess the stadium ops did have a couple of months to play around <laughs> with the Brock Stewart situation. Um, but yeah, he's another smart dude who, uh, you know, I think the question with him is just going to be, I mean, the stuff is there right now. Right. The question with him is, can he throw strikes consistently, which he's mentioned. Like, yeah. that's his focus now because he's never been a – as a reliever, he's, that's never been a strength because right. he's throwing yeah. such high octane. But it can really be an issue coming back from, you know, months right. off basically. And then the question is like between – you know, when he got hurt, I think third week of June or something like that, he was basically their top setup man. Right, yes. He may be neck and neck kind of with Jax at that point. But – so then he's out of the picture. Now, Jax has had some good moments, but he also has had some some tricky moments. Right. Do they just say, Stewart's our eighth inning guy now? Like, do they have that level of faith right. in him? Or is it just he's part of the mix with Theobar and Pagan and Jax and, and mix and mix? Because, I mean, the it, push is going to come to shove here, right? I mean, yes. like, somebody's going to pitch the eighth inning. You right. can't just go, well, it's this group is going <laughs> to handle yeah, it. Yep. Well, somebody's going to walk out onto that mountain to pitch yeah. the to start the eighth inning. And I'm very curious you know, they choose if the Twins have a lead or whatever, obviously. If it's if it's Stewart, if it's Theobar, if it's Jax, it's been Jax it's for Pagan. for most of the season. <laughs> you know, well. um, I had a nice chat with Emilio Pagan yesterday. I made him laugh even. Good. Not even at my expense. <laughs> it was actually at Phil Miller's expense. <laughs> Good. Which is uh, bringing people together. <laughs> Phil Miller. Um, and then uh, so to make room for Stewart. They DFA Dylan Floro. Yes. Now, obviously, when they traded Jorge Lopez for Dylan Floro, it was kind of a, you know, our damaged reliever for your damaged right. reliever. Yeah. They were hoping that Floro could at least be kind of a sixth or seventh inning middle reliever type, and it just never, just never really, just never happened. Yeah. If you look at like his numbers, they're not right. horrible or anything. He's he didn't just, he just giving up too many hits. Yeah, he just he <laughs> just like, never got on a, a stretch that could kind of gain their confidence. Right. Yeah, and it's it's tough. I mean, that's something that. Baldelli and some of the players have talked about the last week or two, which is everybody wants to focus on, oh, this guy's coming back. It's going to be great to get Brock Stewart back, great to get Paddock back, Buxton and Correa and Lewis. Well, somebody's going each time those guys right. are coming. Yeah, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. And to walk into the clubhouse and see Dylan Floro saying in street clothes saying goodbye four games before the end of the season. Yeah. Now, I know he hasn't been sucks, a, right. on the team that long, but it that's the the flip side and the downside to this thing. And we and we've seen it and we're going to see it more probably. I mean, each guy that joins the 
the playoff roster is pushing someone right. off the playoff roster for whom that has been a lifelong dream, right. basically. Yeah, that's right. uh, and so that's the the downside of it. And then I mentioned Varlin, but I mean, for months, the Twins talked up not only from the standpoint of Varlin, but from the standpoint of, well, how come you guys haven't made more bullpen moves? How come right. you guys yes. didn't do anything in the offseason or at the yeah. trade deadline? At the trade deadline, yep. And they were like, look, yeah, that's – Fine, valid criticism. We'll see how it plays out. But we think we're so confident that whenever we decide to press the button on Louis Varlin reliever, what we get out of that is going to be impressive. And I'll read you the numbers. He's now thrown 12 innings as a reliever. I think five or six outings, basically. Um, And he has – let me read the numbers just to make sure. Uh, Louis Varlin as a relief pitcher, 12 innings, 1.50 ERA. The only damage was the one game he gave up the two Two solo home runs. Which was his second yep. ever game as a reliever. Yep. 17 strikeouts in 12 innings and one walk. Yeah. And the velocity has gone basically from 95 to 98, topping out at 100. And I think even more impressively, like the velocity gets people's jaws dropping and, and rightfully so. But his cutter, which wasn't even really a pitch he leaned on that heavily as a starter. But he spent the two months in AAA developing it, and now all of a sudden he's got like a 93-mile-an-hour cutter, which is basically like a hybrid you know, between a fastball and a slider, late movement, which is – the Twins are big on late movement, yeah. which is why they like sliders more than curveballs. Um, and so now he's just throwing 99 four-seam fastballs yep. and then 92, 93 cutters that have sharp break late. And it's like he's just coming in, blowing people away. I mean, you, you were just talking about eighth-inning guy. Yeah. He's got the eighth inning guy stuff. Like you could easily now. I don't yes. think I don't think they have that confidence. I'm not sure they want to put right. him in that role because that's right. that's just a different level of pressure, and it's too late to be doing that to somebody. It's a lot to ask for somebody. And, and and I think they like the fact that he can also go two or three innings right. at times. Like that's also a weapon that you can use. No, but, but much like Maeda, <laughs> yes, you think you know what the role is going to be, but right. then also you're you're in the battle, and it's like exactly right. Do we want to just bring Louis in here and well, throw and then, smoke for an inning, and then you know if they end up having enough success with him in that late inning role right. this year in the postseason where everybody's like, boy, that Varlin, he really yeah. saved our butts in the play- postseason on a pretty regular basis the, uh, next year. That's the danger. <laughs> if you're, he wants to start. He wants to start, and they've and, had conversations about, listen, I'm happy to do yeah. it, but I want, I'm a starter. Right. Like, yes, and I don't blame him. I yeah, think I he can agree. be a good I starter. I agree. But we've seen this with some <laughs> rookie relievers in the past, Jonathan Papelbon, right. where they're a starter prospect, yes. Francisco Rodriguez for that matter. There's some other names, too, I'm forgetting now. But there's like a handful of guys, Jabba Chamberlain, same way. Some of these guys, they're like, all right, well, you're a rookie or your second-year starter. You got a lot of long-term promise as a starter, but we do need some relief help. And you're up against an innings limit or whatever. So let's just put you in the bullpen for October. And then 10 appearances later, you're in the (laughs) ALCS or the World Series. And you go, this guy's this guy's effing great as a reliever. Like, do <laughs> right. we want to even mess with anything? Right. Exactly. Like, w- right. maybe he can be a third starter. Right. Yeah, just we, for clear, he was bouncing between the fifth spot and AAA right. from all of this year. While we he, know while he could be doing this, right? Yes, a starter is more valuable, just right. kind of apples to apples, than a reliever. Right. But an amazing reliever is going to be more valuable than just sort of an average starter, starter, typically, or as valuable, especially in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, I think. Paddock same way. Like Paddock has essentially been told you're going to be in the rotation next year. Right. Yeah. I think Varlin hasn't been assured of that. I actually wouldn't be surprised if he began the year as the sixth starter. Yep. Um, Similar to Ober this year. But also, <laughs> if they go on some deep playoff run and all of a sudden he's, you know, they're in the ALCS yeah. and he's throwing 100 in the eighth inning, 
that's you're gonna try to put that toothpaste back in the tube it's maybe not gonna go back in the tube yeah. and we'll see what louis thinks of that but that again nice problem nice problem to have if they have it let me just uh had one other well we got to finish on this note john okay everybody's been talking about it in the press box for days now. <laughs> i'm not even kidding it's been the talk of the press box and i don't even mean among the usual idiots i talk to i mean people i don't even know in the press box going up to <laughs> they, me they want to talk about, about this John, we talked about this. Like, I'm a little surprised at how much imagination has gone into this. Uh, how many people how people have gotten I've, I, the response on? I just put it on Twitter basically because I was like, ah, I was going to do like a video or a TikTok on this, but eh, it's too much of a pain in the butt. I'll just put a couple of notes about it on Twitter. So, like two months ago, <laughs> you and I guess had been talking about this with somebody because you knew about Listen, it, yes. but I didn't know about it. We got like a mailbag question about right. the nine 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 times nine times nine challenge, right. and the idea is. Between the first pitch and the last pitch of a baseball game, Major League Baseball game, nine. There's yeah, your first right, nine, right. nine innings. You're going to eat nine hot dogs and drink nine beers at the ballpark. That's right. And keep it down. <laughs> yes, and keep it down, yes. Challenge. And so at the time, we were joking about it, who would be better, all this stuff. And your stance at the time was? Absolutely not doing it. I'll go and hang out and right. watch it and cheer it on, but That's why right. would I do that? That You'd have to be a moron to do that. Right. You're going to wreck yourself for a week doing right. that. Right. You're a you're a grown man, adult, uh, on and on and on. Exactly right. And then, as as I understand <laughs> it, that remained your stance right up until the time you were at the game, basically. Basically, right up to the point where I was walking. To the what game. night I was this? This was Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Okay. Yo, it was definitely Tuesday night because we went on a dollar dog day. Oh right. To keep the price. That's down. key. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because otherwise, cost you a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you have to have a monetary privilege just to do this dumb thing <laughs> exactly on a normal right. night. Yeah. Well, we could, nine beers, nine uh, family value beers, and nine hot dogs is uh, fifty four dollars yeah. total. That's not not, not terrible. Not for, terrible. Yeah. For, so yeah, John. Uh, so very very full stuff. Tell me if I'm wrong about this. So you went with a, a handful of guys. And their significant others. Yes. Which, there's the real story. <laughs> that a group of morons who I think it's a good idea to do this have somehow attracted significant, significant others. others. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about the miracle that yeah, is Chrissy. About four, <laughs> about four months ago, we started talking about this, right? And the nice thing about talking about something stupid like this and yeah. planning on it for at the end of the year is that it gives you four months worth of like baseball talk. You know, you're at a baseball game and it could get a little slow. Somebody could just bring that up and you can start dissecting the rules and such. So we yeah. ended up we, – we, we had endless discussions about what was allowed rules. and what was not allowed and the strategy and, you know, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, on my way there, I'm like, you know, I just – all I had for I – I had an apple for breakfast. I had a, a salad for lunch. I'm starving. And it's Dollar Dog Day. I'm going to have at least three Dollar Dogs. <laughs> yeah, right. But I'm – what if I just tried five? I'm going to try and get five. And if I feel good enough after five that I could get another four. Right. Well, here's what people became obsessed with in the in the press box <laughs> from like a strategic standpoint. And that's what happened. I got through the five and John I, I got four more. John ate nine hot dogs by the end of the first inning. That is correct. Is that correct? That is correct. Insane. That was the strategy. Yeah, what a strategy. Well, the here's here is ultimately I'll warn those of you who are thinking Nine about hot, Now this. these are the smaller hot dogs. Yeah, they're, they're the dollar the, dogs. The, the they're dollar not, dogs. you know, dome dogs. They're not the big they're, they're the big dogs, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, these are right. these are smaller hot dogs, right. but they still have, they each have a bun, yes, they which do. I'm assuming you yeah. guys were obligated yes, to we eat, eat too. The bun. That was more part of it, like Joey Chestnut. Yeah. So yeah, John posted a picture 
it wasn't even the end of the first inning. Bailey Ober was still pitching, I think. <laughs> no, it, I got through eight and a half okay. at the end of the first inning. I, the last, All I know the, is the, you the last a picture was... of the empties, basically, of the hot dogs, like the, you know, the right. thing it comes in, and you're like, well, there's the nine hot dogs, and people were like, wait, what happened? He <laughs> ate all nine? It's the second inning. It's the top of the second inning. He's eating nine hot dogs. And I was like, yeah, that's I, my friend John Bonus. That's his... I think we've all... Dis- I think we all... Of the six people who tried, three people finished. And I think the consensus yeah. is that's probably the way to go, is to go with as many a, hot dogs as you can. you a base. You need to eat the hot dogs as fast as you can so your stomach doesn't recognize that you're eating right. hot dogs, right? Yes. Well, the, the hunger helps you. That's well, the right. hunger can still help you. Exactly right. Yeah. You got to slam those down. So to the point where I got through five and it was like, you know, but then it was in the bottom half of the first inning by the time I'd gotten through five, but the Twins had a really long, yeah. there's a lot of walks and there was a grand slam and all this other stuff. Well, they knew what was going on and in the Chrissy stands. And Chrissy was they... downstairs getting me more hot dogs, but there was a long line at that point. So I came running down like, I'm on a timer here. Like my time, my stomach. Can I just say, <laughs> women are amazing. Think of what you just said. <laughs> I don't. My wife, my beloved wife of many years, was downstairs getting me my sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth hot dog so that I could eat them in the same inning I ate the first five. That's right. Yeah. She signed up for that, too, by the way. Like, she she wasn't legally obligated to marry this idiot. That's exactly right. Yeah. so, so yeah, and, then and, you, the, and the, the family, the, we, the rule was that it had to be a beer that you get at the ballpark. Like we were trying to, we were, right. right? And it turns out the twins have this family value stand where you can get a, a Bud Light for, for five, five bucks, bucks. Yeah. A Bud Light or a Budweiser for right. five. Yeah, bucks. you're we getting decided, a, whatever IPA. Right, nine yeah, of those is not going to go like, down. You know, the, or the sixteen ounce or twenty right. ounce, uh, you know, right. whatever but cabin crusher. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, so we went. So you know, we spent a lot of time in that line trying to get the stuff and and yeah. get and. The challenge is, and the reason you want to do the hot dogs first, I think, is because the challenge becomes that of carbonation management. <laughs> that you get, right. you got those many hot dogs in your you belly. You, you have even one hot dog in your belly, and you drink a beer. Right, it's just going to create some gas. Yeah, right. It's like a science experiment. <laughs> exactly you're right. A beaker full and of your something. stomach is only going to expand yeah. so much. So there's just a lot of burping that's going on. <laughs> well, you uh, you're predisposed to that in general. <laughs> exactly no right. offense. No, you are. I absolutely uh, am. right. Yeah, I, I think the fact that I learned in high school just to burp on command if I want if I needed to, like <laughs> I think that helped yeah, okay. me as a life skill. But also. <laughs> the hot dogs are somewhat helping you. A, it's like you said, setting a base. Right. But it also filters the alcohol a, l- yes, a little bit. Yes. But also, they're very salty. Yes. So it is at least initially making yes. you literally thirsty. Yes. yes absolutely. Now, and I'm it, sure that it, goes away after like the fourth beer, but. Yeah. I didn't have any beer before the seventh hot dog. I didn't have anything. I was just eating hot dogs just with a little so mustard. Many great sentences. Ahead. These are the first in world history. Nobody has ever said that sentence. I, I didn't have my first beer until the seventh hot and dog. And even then, seventh, eighth, and ninth, I just had very tiny sips of beer or something. Basically, I had eight and eight and eight ninths beers left to go when I finished right. the night. Then you put dogs. it into overdrive, though. Then, then you started to... Yeah, but that's just a, a beer and inning. And that's well, not, this was my point. That's not And that. I tweeted as such. And for 12 ounces, that's... The joke I made was, John thinks he's so you you accomplished it. Two of your compatriots puked and eliminated themselves. From well, the one one puked at the game and one puked like later that night. Right. Yeah, so, so is he eliminated after the fact? Then? No, no. He yeah, gets credit. The, for- the rule was you had it, it didn't it didn't depend what time you finished. So if you finished at, right, I finished like midway through the eighth. But inning. you have to make it through the. But you have last to make pitch. it through the last right. out. That I get. At yeah. that point, but if he wants to go home and throw up afterward, that's yeah, that's fine. that's separate. Yes, no, he he, he did. He, 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 he he bowed out. 
right. and then still ended up throwing well, it that's, away. That's really sad. Bad, bad here's driving. the joke I made, which was, and I not even really a joke, just, you know, <laughs> which is John thinks, and so you accomplished this. Yes. Accomplish, I use lightly, but you accomplished it. <laughs> But I was like, this is – Elias Sports Bureau has chimed in and said, this is actually the fifth time John Bonus has done the 999 challenge at Target Field. The first four of which were unknowing. He just did it on accident. He just happened to have nine hot dogs and nine beers. Yes. Uh, and then I also, of course, the easiest joke is, uh, you know, you had eaten a lot of hot dogs, so you decided to have uh, fewer than your normal uh, number of beers. <laughs> at the game, settled on nine as like a – but yeah, it's uh, – I'd never eaten nine hot dogs before. That that uh, that was the part I thought I would never do. Well, yeah, we were all debating. People who had different thoughts on what the which would be more difficult oh, for them. For me, it would have been the hot dogs. I thought it was going to be the hot dogs, and then it turned out not to be that. My hot. point with the beer, and I've kind of gotten off. Be- I, you know, I was kind of ambivalent to beer for most of my life. Right. I got into it a little more because because of you, because right. we would do shows at breweries, <laughs> yeah, and everyone right. was always so lovely to us at sure. these, and we would meet the people, and they'd bring us beer, and right. I like beer. Sure. It's fine. But I kind of got, like, beered out. Yes. And so, to me, I did not. the idea of drinking <laughs> nine, even, like, whatever, Bud Lights, is that what you said they were? Yes. Even drinking nine Bud Lights, yeah, yeah I've had nine beers before in my life. Yeah. Um, it, it's not, it doesn't have the same appeal that it right. does to maybe some people. Right. Uh, and I'm not saying that like I'm better. It's just I never really – but also just that's a lot of liquid regardless yes. of what right. – like even if it was just water. It's a lot of gas. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes. that's a so that was one of the other things that we've discovered. If one of the guys came up with the idea of when you're drinking one beer, pour the other, the next beer into a cup and let the gas from the beer kind of leave. You want that right. beer to be a little flatter than normal. What you it, guys really need. And I was just drinking it out of a can. That was dumb. Is something to like let the air out of your stomach. Like yes, you needed like exactly a, right. Like a reverse uh, tire pump. Yes. Like just to. That, that is honestly, that is the challenge. <laughs> Gross. The challenge true. is all the gas that builds up yeah, in you. And that is the challenge. Like the one guy who threw up, at, he threw up because he's like, I tried to burp and Ugh. more came up. Like it was all just. Right. Well, I apologize for this. <laughs> but yes, people were coming up to me. And it's funny where. And we both uh, experienced this. I'm sure you've had some moments where you become like your brother's keeper when you've associated with each other for so long. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so I'm sure you've had things where like, boy, Gleeman's a jerk. How do you put up with him? And and your response probably is, well, I don't. I mean, I'm, I don't He's all right. attest to everything he does. He just, you know, I don't. And, you know, the opposite happens where somebody will be like, why, why would this maniac – Drink nine beers and eat nine hot dogs, and I'm like, I just do a podcast with the guy. I don't, like, I, I'm not like his moral, you know, I'm not his priest or something. I thought like, you were going to say uh, people were praising you. Like, I can't believe you get to work with a guy that got nine hot dogs. I and can't nine believe beers you get to work with a guy who's on his eighth tweet about burping uh, a strategy at a baseball game. Uh, so yeah, there you go. The nine 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 challenge. I have a couple questions just to end on. Okay. Did you have to? Did you sleep on the couch? No, I did not sleep on the couch. Wow. Uh, the next morning, did Chrissy have the, any hot dogs and beer? I'm assuming yes on the beer. She had a couple of beers, but okay. not a lot. That's interesting. And so I don't she think was, she had any hot dogs. She was like an election judge. Yes, she was an impartial it's observer. It's a king size bed. There's a lot of room in that bed. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, and then here's my other question. I would ask this about beer, but it's an absurd question. When will you have your next beer? That's the next day. I'm sure. I, I had it. In the tenth inning, I had a, <laughs> right. a truly just, just to a, a truly, I just had, I had the Oktoberfest. I had an actual imagine, good tasting beer. When do you imagine you will have your next hot dog? In yeah, life? well, that is that's the question. That was are a you question. off hot dogs now? I don't for a while? think I'm going to have any hot dogs this postseason. 
Right, because it's like... Certainly not the wild card. I remember as a kid, you'd always hear these stories of... Uh, a kid got caught by his dad smoking. <laughs> yes, and his dad made him smoke <laughs> yes. the whole pack, and now he's off yeah. cigarettes. Yeah, I uh, I went to Twins games the last the two games after that, both Wednesday yeah. and Thursday. They did not have, have any hot dogs. Yeah. I did not have any hot dogs. I'll tell you the the most interesting, the most worrisome thing I think about the day the day after. Yeah, is I felt better than I felt after some other Twins games. I've definitely <laughs> felt worse in the mornings. Like I've definitely this is the I've definitely eaten more. I've definitely drank more. Like yeah, no, I, I, I was. Well, that's why I, I said I have definitely woken up feeling worse than I have that morning. That's why I was like, I made this joke, but also it wasn't really a joke. To be like, this is not the first time he's just done this. I, uh, I'm very confident that I could eat nine hot dogs. Like, yeah, that would not be a problem for right. me. I've certainly. I mean, sometimes like once a week we'll get hot dogs as like the dinner option. Okay. At media dining. Oh, okay. And I mean, I'll eat two or three of them. Sure. Like, who? I don't care. Right. Like nine of them, I could very easily eat, especially if I was hungry. I just the if you did like diet cokes, right? Yeah, but just the beer is. But uh, you know, Bud Light's closer to water, so yeah, I get that. But the, the one of the anyway, guys. congratulations is what I'm Thank saying. You, the of the six people who. Did it. The three guys that didn't do it as we were walking away were yeah. strategizing about what they were going to do to accomplish it instead, what they were going to do different next year. Oh, they're they going to try to get. And the three guys who accomplished it were all like, there will be no next year. <laughs> I view it more as like you've taken a job as a kamikaze pilot. There's no second run. You know what I mean? Yeah. Either you succeed or right. you fail, but that's your only run. Either way. Do you know what I mean? Like you either, you either did the 999 yeah. challenge or yes. you failed, but there's no second. There's no second round. Because my feeling is if you do it and you fail twice and you throw up the second time, then it's a little sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah then you've had yeah. a whole year. Well, yeah. Unless you prep for it, like a Joey Chestnut type, where you're like expanding. Well, then it's even stomach. sadder. Well, yeah, then it's yeah, like, yeah. Well, it <laughs> if you don't make it. Yeah. It's like when people train to climb a mountain. Is it sad? Well, they've devoted their life to something that, you know, didn't really help humanity or anything. <laughs> well, whatever. But they did it. Yeah. So right. anyway, congratulations Thank on the you. 9 Island Challenge. Thank you very much. Sorry to Chrissy for putting up with it, although <laughs> at this point she knows what yeah. she's gotten. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She knew that. She knew this was a possibility 37 years ago. Just like she num- did. The looks of the, the women who sit behind us <laughs> in the press box, which is like social media row. And uh, ballpark ops and all that stuff. Just the, as they were like learning details of this, and uh, your tweets were on everybody's screen, <laughs> and people were like, "Wait, what is this now?" And as I'm explaining it, they were just like, "And why?" Well, I don't have an answer. I don't have for an, that. I don't have an answer for why? that. Why? I don't know. I had no intention of doing it. So yeah. now I found myself doing it. And people were like, nine in the first inning. That really caught people by surprise. I think. I and think then, it's like kind of climbing Mount Everest because it was there. That's right. Why? <laughs> because it was there. It's good. Yeah. So anyway, congratulations to John. So the twins clinched and John clinched. Yep. An early death probably, but you know, whatever. Clinched. <laughs> yeah. I did see, it was funny, a lot of uh, the tweets I saw in response, because you were tweeting out the play-by-play, two themes emerged from people who were not amused by it. And most people were amused by it. The two themes were... It must be nice to have five hundred dollars to be able to spend on you know. But like you said, it's fifty bucks. We we broke we broke that one down early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the other thing I heard, uh, I saw people were like, uh, "Well, congratulations on the alcoholism." <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, I mean, but also, you know, if you can eat nine hot dogs, you got that too. Like that's a problem, right? I mean, like you know, oh, I've got plenty of problems. Yeah, yeah. that's you're not surprising. Some, John with the table that. for me, sure. Well, right, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm a nine hot dog type of problem. Yeah. All right. So when next we speak to you on this show, assuming yes. John doesn't have some sort of delayed reaction to this nine 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 show. Oh, and then the next day when I showed up at the ballpark, there was a lot of 
have you have you checked in with John? Is he okay? Is John alive? And I'm like, you know, yeah, I think. I, listen, I've seen worse, and I've seen him wake up better. Yes, so, yes, right. uh, yeah, I, I show up here some mornings, and I'm part of the appeal of doing this podcast is just kind of see the shape John's in. Sure, because he's tweeting out. That's two a.m. Yeah, the, pat- the Patreon we did the day after the clinch. Yeah, John was out till three thirty <laughs> with everybody. And he's like, yeah, we can do a show at uh, well seven. So, so, Ended up being nine. But yeah. Um, okay, so. Here's what I would suggest. We will be back Friday morning. Yes. Win, lose, or draw. To talk about the series. To talk about the completed series. Yeah. But if that doesn't sound like enough for you, (laughs) which I would hope is the case if you enjoyed this show and you were not put off by the burping discussion of 20 (laughs) minutes ago, uh, go ahead and go to patreon.com slash Gleeman, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. Sign up and you will get like a private like link or you can just uh, press press play on that site and listen to the whole archive but you will get a link that you can put into however spotify apple Podcasts, however you use podcasts and then as soon as we publish or release an episode yep which is usually within 15 20 minutes of us finishing recording it will get delivered to you just like you get delivered this podcast. Right. You'll get charged $1 for it, which uh, I think is reasonable, less than the hot dog <laughs> yeah, or the beer cost. Right. Uh, and we'll be doing definitely, at the very least, we'll be doing one Monday morning to actually preview the series. Right. And then we'll be doing post games either right. that night or very early in the yes. next morning after each of the minimally two and hopefully, well, the Twins could sweep two, minimally two and at most three. Yeah. And then if they advance... Same thing. Yeah. Um, so we would love to have you join us. Like I said, we're like a hundred shy of four thousand, which is just an unfathomable right. uh, goal that we never even had to get that. So we would love to have you join our little uh, private club for Twins Talk, yeah, commercial cost, free. Cost, cost you a couple bucks. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Gleeman. If you don't want to, we'll uh, we'll talk to you Friday. Thank you to Game Time and Odds Are and BetterHelp and Soda Stick. We'll talk to you Friday. Gleeman.